Welcome to the Earlham College Podcast. One of the great things about Earlham is that students from different majors, different backgrounds, different countries even, discover that they have interests in common and that they can only benefit from working together. They are trying to answer the same questions, only from different angles, and then they come together in teams to find solutions to real-world problems. That's Earlham, and here's how it happens. Good, we went a little flat, here's the A again. Hear yourself in the space, ready? My name is Danielle Steele, and I'm the Assistant Director of Choral Activities at Earlham College and the Principal Organizer of the Transgender Singing Voice Conference. So, Danielle, you've been really active on campus um, advocating for, um, you know, the rights of, of, of really, you know, all students certainly, but you've, you've found a niche, I think, in the transgender student community here, and particularly and how you can advocate for you know you know that you know them from a performance art standpoint. Can, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about how, how that really came to be, um, you know, within you know the context of your early career and, and your time at Earlham? Sure. Um, so what has always struck me about music is is music is one of the first ways that we connect with each other from the time that we're born. We sing lullabies to our children, and, and then we sing folk songs and nursery rhymes, and as we grow up, we learn hymns and national anthems. So music is a fabric that binds us together. Um, people can come from wildly different backgrounds, but then they can find commonality in music. And when I encountered my first transgender students, because there is so much... Um, that we don't know about what happens to the voice when students transition, especially from a hormonal and medical perspective. My students who wanted to engage in music making and wanted to be part of a musical community were unable to do so because they literally couldn't produce sound, uh, or at least couldn't produce sound consistently. And so um, I, I had students that I wanted to be able to bring into our musical community here at Earlham, and um, there were no resources available on how to train them. And so they came to me, and we started a series of uh, voice lessons where we documented our progress, and we really built from scratch what what we hope is the foundation of best practices for transgender singers in the voice studio and the choral classroom. And what has that, I mean, process, you know, been like? You know, I, I think, you know, anybody who, you know, feels inherently different or people who, mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't often know where to turn. I mean, that can be obviously a very difficult and challenging time for people. You know, even at a community like Earlham that, that you know, preaches, you know, about inclusivity. I mean, this is sure. still a relatively, uh, you know, from what I understand about you, a relatively, you know, un, kind of, you know, unresearched, uh, you know, Correct. you know, topic. So, so wh- how, how has that process played out? Well, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned the word inclusivity, which is a huge buzzword, and inclusivity looks different based on the person looking in. Um, so, meaning the person on the outside looking in. And so, as we have been moving through this journey, and, and my students and I have been working on this together for about four years. Um, we have started to ask, what does inclusivity mean? Does it mean that we, um, you know, if we have, for example, a male-to-female singer and she wishes to sing in her upper register but has a great deal of difficulty, what does inclusivity at that point mean? Does it mean that we do the very best we can in getting her to achieve some type of range that allows her to sing with the sopranos and altos in the ensemble? 
Or does inclusivity mean that we accept uh, a female presenting person with a wonderful bass voice and she sings in the bass section? Or does inclusivity mean that we rewrite the vocal parts for this, the range that she has, which may be extraordinarily limited, and she sings a part that may overlap the tenors and the altos? Uh, and so there are a lot of ways that inclusivity looks when you're talking about this. Um, and there's no one answer to how where we're going to end up going with this, right? Absolutely. You know, and we know that, you know, within the visual and performing arts realm, you know, about two thirds of our students, you know, even if they're not majoring in these, you know, in these academic disciplines, that they're, that they're involved in one way or another. So we're talking about a very large number of students who engage in the arts Mm -hmm. on campus. How, how have you been able to identify the need just based on knowing that so many students have been involved, you know, in the arts here at Earlham, you know, I mean, what, what are, what are we talking about in terms of the trends or in terms of what you're experiencing in terms of the number of students who, who have found, hmm. who have found help, you know, uh, in working with you? Well, so at Earlham, um, I would, oh gosh, I can't give you hard statistics. And, and so I would say in my ensembles, Roughly 10% of the students identify as transgender or gender nonconforming or non-binary. Um, and when, when you have that many people, but each of these people has, you know, each of them has gone on an entirely different journey. And so to bring them in and make them part of the ensemble kind of requires a, a special touch for each person often requires Absolutely. private lessons and one-on-one work. And it can't just be one time. It, you know, it needs to be rather extensive over the course of a semester or several semesters. Um, and so that's, you know, you have to approach them one-on-one in order to, to meet their individual needs. But then in terms of making the program itself inclusive, um, two things that we've done just off the top of my, off the, off the top of my head, but off of the, you know, the many things we've done, um, we have started to be really critical of the repertoire that we sing. And that's not to say that we no longer sing um, Mozart or Puccini or Brahms. I mean, in fact, we're operating an opera chorus's um, concert this spring where we're doing, you know, all the favorites. Uh, But it is as we look at new repertoire to say, okay, we want to make sure that we know who's in the field so we feature this transgender composer on our concerts, or we are very selective of the poetry that um, we're singing so that the poetry is inclusive uh, of as many people as possible of all gender identities. Um, And often when you're singing, you know, it's either uh, religious or a love song, right? Those are the two biggest ones, and those can actually be very exclusive. And so finding poetry that speaks about our life experiences from a different perspective is another way to welcome people. In And the other thing that we do is um, multiple times a semester, we make sure that, that we say verbally in front of our class that this is an open and affirming environment where transgender and non-binary students are welcome and safe. And then when I introduce myself as a a teacher, I always make sure to include my preferred gender pronouns and I encourage my students to do the same thing. And then we as a community can model how those pronouns are used correctly. So earlier this winter, you organized a fantastic conference, the Transgender Singing Voice Conference. It was the first, you know, conference as far as far as we can tell that that has taken place in the United States, mm-hmm. um, and it brought together people from really all over the country, and I think even uh, 
internationally, if I yes. remember correctly. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Um, well, the need for the conference was utterly clear. When I started researching um, the resources available for transgender singers four years ago, and there was complete white space. There was nothing. Um, on almost every major choral organization website, a keyword search of transgender turned up zero results. The best organization out there is Gala Choruses, which has an entire section of its site dedicated to transgender singers, and I think they are the farthest along in creating those open and welcoming communities. But all the other organizations that should be leaders in this are only just now um, getting on the boat. And so as I began to do research, I was reaching out to colleagues and saying, do you know of, of anything? And they said no. And, and, you know, in this world of social media where everyone is instantly connected, I started to, um, you know, a friend would talk to a friend and talk to a friend and say, Danielle Steele is doing this work. You should talk to her. And, and so I was being contacted literally from all over the country uh, and sometimes outside of the country by people who would say, I have a transgender student or I have two transgender students. Um, what can I do? What has been your experience? And essentially I was serving as a consultant, an individual consultant for people. And I thought, you know what? Everyone's doing some good work out there. We need to be able to get together and essentially um, dump our good ideas into one place so that not everybody is recreating the same wheel at the same time. And um, we put out a call on social media to see who was interested. And within 48 hours, we had well over 100 replies of people who said they'd be interested in coming. And when the conference finally happened in January of 2017, we ended up with 122 attendees. And that's, and that's incredible. And, you know, this white space that, that you refer to, it's fascinating, I think, just from my perspective, just because of how much, you know, we seem to hear about the transgender community, mm-hmm. um, you know, even from, you know, a political, you know, you know in, a, in a political landscape where, you know, transgender rights seem to be under fire all of the time. Yes. I mean, this is still, a, a you know, as, as you're discovering, you know, a relatively, you know, untapped market for this very necessary research Yes. That, uh, you know, that, that needs to be out there. Mm-hmm. I was extremely surprised to discover that there was no research being done. There are case studies on the social impact of transgender students being a part of the music classroom. And, of course, the impact on the life of the transgender student is extraordinarily positive because we seek communities in places like our families, our churches, and our schools. And for many transgender students... They either haven't come out to their families or their families have rejected them. Um, The problems that occur in a church, I don't think I need to, you know, enumerate the problems that a transgender student might have in a faith community, which is really unfortunate. And so then in their schools, um, if they are able to engage in the arts, not only do they they often find a built-in community, but they are able to express themselves and to be heard, and that's really important. And what I want to do is give voice teachers and choral directors the resources to be able to train these students effectively because when a student is going through hormonal transition, if they literally can't use their voice, they can't be heard, and that has a severe emotional impact on them. And so if they have to lay out of their ensemble because they can't produce sound, they're suddenly cut off from this very vital community Um, In 2012, the Williams Institute did a survey of transgender 
people in the United States, and they came up with a really scary t- statistic, which is that something like 46% of trans people have attempted suicide. And those are just the attempts, right? Those aren't the murders, right. and those aren't the successful you know, like the successful um, suicides. And so that statistic alone, I think, is enough to make anybody who's invested in the success and well-being of their students um, go the, you know, go the extra mile to make sure their trans kids can participate. And, and how do you think the conference, I mean, this is, of course, the first year, and I know you have plans mm-hmm. to do this hopefully again in two years. What, uh, you know, you know how, how was it successful, I think, in the sense in meeting that need that you just talked about? Well, one of the biggest things that struck me at the conference is we marketed it to educators um, and especially pre-service educators who are going to be entering the field in the next few years. And we had lots of educators attend, but then half of the conference attendees were trans, which told me that the trans, it's not just educators who are looking for resources. The trans community also says we we find this to be important. We want to be engaged. We also want to assist with research. And so um, seeing the demographics of the conference attendees told me that it was successful uh, in the sense that that attendees felt that it was open and inclusive in the way that we hoped it would be. Um, the other thing that I would say was a measure of our success is that the final session of the conference was um, new directions in research, and we invited anyone, whether they were a researcher, an educator, a student, uh, a, an interested individual. We didn't say you have to have certain credentials to attend, you know. Um, we invited everyone to sit down and have a conversation, and we probably had 80 people stay for the session, and the session was supposed to be a moderated session that went for an hour and 15 minutes, and three hours later we were still in the room because we had identified so many areas that people want to research. You know, and I think what what else is really fascinating to me about this is I think how collaborative, you know, this has been. This was a partnership with the Center for Social Justice at Earlham. Yes. It also brought together certainly the music department and some other groups. How, how, how did... Uh, how did that kind of exchange, you know, go? How, how was having the Center for Social Justice and having, you know, you know, I mean, their support, you know, help? You know, how, how, how can you bridge the gap there? I mean, obviously, having the support of the Center for Social Justice meant that financially we were able to pull off the conference, mm-hmm. and that's sure. invaluable. Yeah. Um, and the other, the other part of it is, social justice has many forms, right? So it's. While it's important to be an activist in, you know, other ways like writing to your representatives or being engaged in um, a political organization in your town or doing volunteerism, um, social justice can also occur when we level the playing field for our students in our own communities and in our own ensembles. So it was really great to be able to look inward and say, how can we do social justice right here in our classrooms for our students? That's great. And you know, how, how can people get involved you know, now? Now that the conference is over, um, you've told me about some really great um, work that's already taking place at some other institutions. Um, but how, how can people get involved? And what, what are some of the things that you know that are already happening out there as a result of this conference that happened? Oh, my all? goodness. Their attendees from the conference have gone back out to their respective institutions and have already done um, presentations about what they've learned. They've done in-service training for their staff, and they are offering presentations at national conferences. For example, um, 
the National Collegiate Choral Organization has a panel on its upcoming national conference called Considering Gender in Our Choirs. I can't say that my conference caused that, but it is really cool uh, to know that a national organization um, with that much reach is is now um, offering uh, space on its on one of its national conferences to this very important subject. Uh, Chorus America um, has invited me and a number of presenters from the conference to come and speak at their national conference this summer. That's very exciting. Um, I'm going to go down and give a talk at IU here in a couple of weeks to their pre-service educators, which is wonderful. Um, but that's that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? The way that I would like to see people get involved after this, um, I'd like to create the Transgender Singing Voice Network. I'd like to create an online forum where people can engage with one another. And so instead of just emailing me um, and, you know, having a nice exchange by email, what I'd like them to be able to do is to hook out, hook into this network of several hundred people and post questions on a forum and be able to crowdsource, you know, ideas, get answers for questions that they have. So I'd like to provide a place for us all to come together. So we're again, we're not doing separate work and the same separate work at the same time, but rather coming together as a community so we can move forward faster. It occurs to me that this has probably had a dramatic you know, impact on your life. What, what have you maybe learned about, <sighs> about the transgender community? Uh, and, you know, we've often talked a lot about, you know, how, how, you know even much this is like a niche conference, right? But I mean, the, but the need and the humanity behind this, what, what have you learned uh, as, you've, as you've worked with students? And, and what's what, what the impact been on you just personally and professionally? I would say this may sound cliche, but when you level the playing field for those who are the most marginalized, you do the most good by every single person in your ensemble. And so I may be doing individual work with one transgender singer and doing things to make their experience in my ensemble something where they feel safe and welcome and able to participate. But because of doing that work, I become a better educator for all of my students. I also become infinitely more creative in the classroom. And so when another student with a completely different issue comes to me, I already have this bag of tricks I can use to accommodate them as well. Uh, And the impact it's had on my life, I'm I'm not sure I'm ready to put that into words. It's been so significant I'm not sure that I will fully understand the impact until I have the benefit of 10 years of hindsight. The most exciting result of the 2017 Transgender Singing Voice Conference is watching the research that is going to be occurring because of the partnerships formed and the immediate call from participants to have another conference. And we had been tossing around the idea of doing again and doing it again in two years, but we most certainly will be doing a 2019 Transgender Singing Voice Conference. For more information about Earlham College, visit earlham.edu or give us a call at 1-800-EARLHAM. Visit us on Facebook at facebook.com slash College. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Earlham1847. And check out the sights and sounds of Earlham at youtube.com slash College. To participate in one of our live interactive web chats, visit earlham.edu slash chat. 
The Ireland College Podcast is a production of the Ireland College Department of Marketing and Communications. I'm Brian Zimmerman. And I'm Mark Brim. And we'll see you next time.